Hey guys, but I'm back. Episode season one, episode three. Let's begin. Part one, chapter one. Sarah Roberts Ross. Ross, October twelfth, nine thirty a.m. Interview room C. Forensics found traces of Costello's blood on your clothes. So why don't you tell us what happened? We were sitting in a palm white room with a drop ceiling and a mirror, I assume, was two-way. Me and Detective Heidi Hannigan, she leaned across the mentor table. This is serious, Sarah, she said. Your own husband brought you in. Where is seen? They were the first words I've spoken since we sat down. My voice cracked like a teenage boy's. Doesn't matter, Harrigan said. He can't help you. But I didn't do anything. Then just tell the truth. Well, did you want me to start, I asked. The day everything you remember began at the beginning and don't hold back. No detail is too small. All right, I told myself. You can do this. I gripped the sides of my chair, took a breath, started talking. I kept my eyes pointed straight ahead, away from the mill. I knew damn well who was standing on the other side. The morning of Anthony Costello's murder. I woke up to find myself lying on a moss-covered border, surrounded by Kazulu. I had no idea where I was or how I got in there. I made to stand, but my legs were wobbly, and my feet kept slipping on the moss. I felt my pockets, no phone, no wallet. For a long while, I just sat there, trying to think things through. Maybe I'd gone camping with friends, wandered off by myself, and gotten lost. Maybe I'd forgotten to bring my insulin with me, which would explain why I blacked out. You're diabetic? Hannigan interrupted. That's right, I said. If I miss an injection, life can get real fuzzy. She, she jotted something in her notebook. Go on, she said. What did you do next? I yelled for help. I figured if I'd come here with friends, they couldn't be too far away. I shouted and, and kept shouting, but no one shouted back. I took a deep breath, ordered myself not to panic. Anybody hear me? I tried again. Please, I need help. Silence. Nothing but birds fighting off in the woods. All right, Sarah, I told myself, it's up to you. I lay on my belly, slid down the border, and landed ankle deep in a thick patch of moss grass. The front of my blouse was stained green. I started to brush myself off, looked down, noticed for the first time that there was blood on my sleeves, blood on my jeans, blood all over my white sneakers, not wet but not dry either. Had I fallen, been attacked, I scanned my body for any hint of the wound, felt the back of my head for lumps 
or blatant, nothing. The blood wasn't mine. So whose was it? I struggled to push my mind back, but came up empty. I wasn't wearing a watch. Had no idea how long I'd been unconscious. I looked up at the sky. The light seemed to be growing stronger. I figured it was somewhere between 8 o'clock and 9 o'clock a.m. Where would I normally be between 8 o'clock and 9 a.m.? I couldn't remember. I could remember my name, my age, my weight, the fact that I was a diabetic, but where I lived and what I did all day were gone. I felt dizzy and a little nauseous. Assuming I was right about the time my last insulin injection would have been late last night, maybe eight hours ago, eight hours wasn't the end of the world. If I had passed out atop that bottle all on my own, it might have had more to do with dehydration than blood sugar. I needed water. I needed insulin. I looked around for a path. Oh, and then nothing. The portal was lodged at the summit of a small incline. If I was looking for civilization, then downhill seemed like the best bet. I started to walk, then run. The warning set off a sharp pain in my white gaff. I stopped, knelt down in the grass, and rolled up my back neck. There was a gas, maybe an inch wide. Something had pierced the thick denim of my jeans. I was wounded after all, though this cut didn't begin to explain all the blood. Keep moving, I told myself. The morning was cruel by Florida's standards, but my forehead and the smell of my back were soaked. I'd been walking for what felt like hours when I passed through a wooded area and emerged in a wholly different world, a pain sinkingly landscaped and manicured wood, palm trees instead of kazoo, a freshly mowed lawn instead of swamp grass and weeds, and at the other end of that lawn, a house, more than a house, a mansion, an old-fashioned plantation manor, we forbrest to look as though it were built yesterday. I'm on someone's estate, I thought. I have been all along. Hello, I yelled. Once again, no answer. There was a fence along the back of the house, separating the lawn from a colorful maze of bananas and fruit trees. I hurried over to the back gate feeling I'd made it to safely, only to find something that brought me up so and made me wonder if I'd ever be safe again. There was blood on the handle, blood splotting the gate's white wooden planks. Little by little, then all at once, my memory came alive. I'd been to this house before. I'd been here every day for the last year. I was personal. Chef to a man named Anthony Costello and his wife Anna. This was their house. This was where I made three meals a day for them. 
Well, I made breakfast for Anthony as recently as this morning. My legs wanted to buckle, but I kept moving forward through the gate and up the steps to the wraparound porch. The sliding back door was open. I stepped inside. Anna, I called out. Anthony, nothing. The silence scared me more than waking up on that walk. This time of day, the place was normally bustling. Serena, the maid, would be singing to herself as he polished the dining room table. Anna would be watching Good Morning Florida with the volume turned full blast. Anthony would be pacing the marble hallway, pushing into his phone. Serena, I cried. I tried. Still no answer. Something was sinisterically wrong. I crept like a cat burglar through the dining room, the laundry room, the family room, the living room, the parlor, Anthony's office. Ten thousand square feet of real estate, and not a whiff of life. It's Sarah, I called upstairs. Anyone home? I climbed a handful of steps when the dizziness hit me hard. Waddle, I reminded myself. You need Waddle. I made my way to the kitchen, and that was where I found him. Anthony, face down on the floor, outlined by a pool of his own blood. A kitchen knife lying not three feet away. There you guys had it. That was episode three, guys. See you next time.